Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show, and welcome to a new Word Balloon Unconventional. This is John Suntress. Uh, we are wrapping up our unconventional week with one more episode, and I'm excited because at first I'm like, oh, maybe I don't have like a Hall H representation. I don't go to Hall H, but I know everybody else does and has such a great time doing it. And at first, maybe I was like, ah, maybe Bendis or Tom King recently, they might represent a Hall H guest. But no, you know, honestly, they're more in the slightly large uh, convention rooms where it's, you know, usually a thousand-seater, and they fill up the rooms, of course. You know, Hall H, 5,000 people, 6,000 people, stuff like that. So at first, I was like, maybe I don't have one. And then I realized the Shazam trailer dropped this weekend at Comic-Con. And I said, oh, wait a minute. I have a great conversation with Captain Marvel himself, Zachary Levi. And yeah, I know, probably in the movie they're going to call him Shazam. That's okay. But uh, just a couple years ago, four years ago, related to San Diego Comic-Con, Zach Levi has been uh, very popular and well-represented at Comic-Con through his charity. Now, obviously, this was four years ago. Zach does not talk about the Shazam movie, but he does talk about his organization, Nerd HQ, doing panels outside the convention center and also uh, involved with the charity Operation Smile, which is a wonderful charity, giving serious dental work and face reconstruction to third world people that uh, really do need the help. And it's a beautiful, beautiful charity, and it's very cool that Zach is a part of it. And this really does kind of show you Zachary Levi, the guy. So I'm really excited about sending that on today's episode of Word Balloon, in case you missed it the first time. Again, it was from four years ago. Then I'm talking with my buddy Sal Abinati, who was the physical model for Captain Marvel, Shazam, in Alex Ross's Kingdom Come, and also in the Shazam Treasury Edition that Alex did a couple years ago, Power of Hope. You know, I'm telling you, every time I see uh, Shazam's uh, smiling face with a slight smirk, I can't help but think of my buddy Sal Avenatti, who has been uh, Alex Ross's art representative for the last uh, 20 years or so, as he says it in our conversation. Sal also represents a typical Comic-Con after-hours conversation. You always end up with somebody either at the bar or you make dinner plans after the show's over to wind down, and you get into a great nerd conversation. And Sal's the perfect guy for that. Now, Sal reps uh, Alex Ross and also Bill Sinkevich. And uh, both of those artists, beyond their comic work, have really been uh, pushing the envelope and getting involved with some great licenses and doing incredible work. You know, Sinkevich with uh, Jimi Hendrix. Alex just did an incredible portfolio with the Beatles. He did a beautiful Monty Python piece, the Universal Monsters, so much stuff. And Sal explains how those deals happen. Why these guys are, you know, going beyond comics, and they'll always be part of comics, as Sal points out. But uh, it's really fun to uh, understand that side of the business. And then also, another thing that always happens when I see Sal at conventions, we end up talking about just the -the behind-the-scenes stuff at Comic-Con, how tough it is to put on a high-class booth, as uh, Alex Ross Art and Bill Sienkiewicz do, and it's all because of Sal. And uh, he talks about uh, why he made the changes to the booth that he did, and how it's been working the con and uh, getting with the fans and the like and also you know the people that help put san diego and other conventions together so i think it's a really good behind the scenes convention conversation with sal Abinati to round things off on today's word balloon so it's a shazam show of sorts with uh, zachary levi and sal Abinati on today's word balloon all brought to you by the league of word balloon listeners thank you league for your continued support through patreon uh, you are my captain marvels and uh, mary marvels 
of uh, support through your subscriptions and Patreon. If you like Word Balloon, if you like what I do here, um, I try to provide great entertainment every month, great conversations that you're just not going to find anywhere else. You can go to wordballoon.com slash Patreon, click on the Patreon ad right there on the front page, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. That's directly where my Patreon page is. And like I always say, do you think Word Balloon is worth a dollar a month? Do you think it's worth the price of a comic book a month? If you do and you can uh, help the cause, it's greatly appreciated. You help me get to conventions, make the connections with some of these great creative people that uh, keep the geek culture as interesting as it is. So thank you very much for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Good selection of Shazam product at InStockTrades.com at great prices. You can go back to the 80s for Shazam, A New Beginning, written by Dan Thomas and Roy Thomas, drawn by Tom Mandrake. This is 42% off, $20.29. You can also get that treasury size edition that Alex Ross drew and Paul Dini wrote, Shazam, Power of Hope. You can get a damaged copy of it if, if you just want to read the story at an incredible price. It's just $4.97, 50% off the cover price. There's also the Shazam trade paperback from the New 52, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. This collects Justice League number 7 through 11, number 0, 14 and 16, and 18 through 21. And you get a new spin again on uh, Shazam's origin with a guy who really loves Shazam, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Beautiful job on the art. 42% off $9.85. There's also the hardcover Shazam, a celebration of 75 years. This has the words of Otto Binder, the art of C.C. Beck, so many other great creators. Denny O'Neill is in there as well. Uh, Great spins on Captain Marvel from his Fawcett original printing days of the 40s and 50s through DC's uh, revival in the 70s and beyond. This is a huge, great collection, 42% off, $23.19. It's all waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Don't take my word for it. You'll find great books at great prices at InStockTrades.com. All right, let's get into our conversation now with Zachary Levi. This was really fun, and uh, I'm so glad that this happened. Um, I'm a huge fan of Chuck. I love that show. And if you haven't been uh, watching, uh, Amazon Prime Video has uh, the whole series of Chuck there for Amazon Prime subscribers for free. And I, I really think if you don't remember Chuck, you'll see why Zachary Levi is an excellent choice to play Shazam because he retains that childlike wonder when he's uh, the adult hero that Billy Batson turns into. And you see shades of that, I think, in his portrayal of Chuck. The man's beefed up. If you, if you watch Chuck, he's certainly more of a string bean in, in those episodes. But I think kind of like Christopher Reeve back in the day, he must have got on a great uh, physical regimen to uh, build himself up to uh, look like Captain Marvel. And uh, he fits the suit, as they used to say on the Brady Bunch about Johnny Bravo. Um, but uh, I'm really excited for the Shazam movie. I think the uh, humor balance looks terrific. I think kids are going to love it. And uh, old-timers like myself uh, really can appreciate the humor. And uh, it just looks like they get it. So maybe uh, you know DC Films have finally turned the corner. And we're starting to get some excellent movies out of them. Uh, hopefully with uh, Aquaman obviously starting off later in the year, the Wonder Woman sequel, and now the Shazam movie. Very exciting stuff. Let's talk to uh, the DC film universe's Shazam, Zachary Levi, and this conversation from four years ago talking about his charity through Nerd HQ um, and uh, the great work that he did on Chuck and Moore. A fun conversation with Zachary Levi now on Word Balloon. 
I'm going to call him Zach as we're in the conversation, but it's Zachary Levi, TV's Chuck, among other things, uh, joining us now on Word Balloon. Zach, it's a pleasure. I, I'm glad you made time for me today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on Nerd HQ. I think um, Thank you. It's, it's a great thing. And, and what I love about Comic-Con is that along with the uh, events that happen in the convention center, it's been this excuse to create more programming um, and keep it, you know, close to the people. And I think that's what's great about what Nerd HQ does for the fans is make these really cool events and makes them accessible to fans for a good cause. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, Nerd HQ ultimately, you know, kind of spawned out of, I created a company called the Nerd Machine, which was, uh, which was, is, you know, essentially just kind of a, a lifestyle brand for nerd culture. And, um, you know, Comic-Con is just, it's, it's nerd mecca. I mean, it's, uh, uh, in San Diego, it's an incredible, um, just, you know, weekend four day event of, of people gathering and expressing, uh, every side of themselves and personalities and interests and loves. And, um, so at the nerd machine, we were like, well, if we want to activate our brand, we, we've got to go do that. Um, kind of in in that uh in that environment and we felt that the best way to do that is to just do kind of our own event of sorts and do it all four days and uh and then when we you know sat there trying to figure out well what's what's the best way how do you, how do you incentivize people and to me you know i just have always been a fan of companies that um you know are are about giving back out of their profits and um i think it just it makes people just that much um just, I don't know, happier about doing doing business with you. So, you know, the Nerd Machine, we're a, a for-profit company, and we wanted to still be able to connect ourselves um, to a nonprofit entity and be able to um, kind of empower people through through the activations that we offer, uh, specifically the panels and the photo uh, booth sessions and the signings. Any Basically, essentially anything that involves fans and celebrities interacting, we wanted to just put all that toward... Uh, toward uh, charity, toward nonprofit. Um, I have, you know, I've been so blessed to work in this business and have a lot of friends that work in film and television. And, you know, I didn't want to go to them and ask them, hey, come do a panel so I can make money off of you. I wanted to go and say, hey, come do a panel so you can interact with your fans and make them super stoked. Uh, and you be stoked at the same time because you get to talk and, you know, not um, and let it be a very kind of free-for-all, unmoderated experience. Oh, and by the way, when you sell out a panel, you'll raise $5,000 for Operation Smile and, and, and help kids around the world. Um, that, to me, is a really fun and awesome thing to pitch to my friends and to pitch to fans. Uh, I, I try to do, what, do right by my business, uh, but I never want to feel like I'm taking advantage of a situation. I just want to offer the best possible four-day experience that, uh, that both fans and celebrities can can have in San Diego, and I feel like we're accomplishing that. There's still, you know, there's little kinks and and uh, bugs here and there every year. We've only this is only the fourth year we've done it, mm-hmm. so we're still trying to find you know the absolute best um, flow. But I feel so far like we've been really blessed, and people have been really blessed by us, and um, it's that's been a success in our mind. Absolutely. And I and I like the fact that um, they are accessible, but also intimate, that you're keeping uh, a lot of the panels that you do and the Q&A's uh, down to like 250 people and uh, and, you know, 20 bucks. And again, the money goes to Operation Smile, which is great. Um, yeah, I saw that you uh, you had an Indiegogo 
uh, crowdfunding campaign to help finance because, as you say in your video, um, you've had corporate sponsors. Last year, you know, uh, it wasn't able to pay for itself. And um, you were asking for a million. You got um, a third of that, which is a great – that's a great fan response. And also, kudos for going with Indiegogo because I know that's the hang-up with Kickstarter. You don't make your goal. You don't get anything. And I'm glad that uh, you guys were able to get something. And I hope also that each year you're getting new uh, corporate sponsors as well because I really do think, as you say – um, both companies and individuals, the more they hear about it, I think they do want to get involved and support it. Yeah, no, we've been we've been really uh, that, we've been really blessed in that regard too. Uh, we've had incredible sponsors and partners um, every year. La- you know, the, the the problem has been, and, and it is getting better. You know, the more the more we do the event, the more exposure it gets, the more people realize what it is. Um, the the sooner sponsors uh, like to to partner with us, the problem has just been more the timing of of partnerships because you know essentially in order to lock down a venue and start paying production staff, you have to do that month and month and month in advance. Um, but typically, you don't get sponsorship dollars in until much later than when you need those dollars to do that. So sure. you know, I just I had to foot a lot of that bill myself uh, in the in the last years, and uh, and it just. It, it bit me. Uh, it bit me in the butt pretty pretty bad last year, you know. And I just couldn't run that that same risk anymore. I don't have uh, endless cash amounts. I'm not Bill Gates. I, I uh, but I really do believe in the event, and so I was just trying to again brainstorm. Well, what? How do I still pull this off while uh, involving the fans that you know have been you know wanting it and 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 really kind of you know asking for it um and so i felt like well as much as i uh really was ever very hesitant to um to do a crowdfunding campaign because they can get a little they can get a little uh tricky and, sure. and sometimes treacherous you know and a lot and you really expose yourself in that and i and you can be very vulnerable to a lot of people some sometimes you get um a lot of love and sometimes you get a lot of um, vitriol and and you know we felt uh, uh, mostly love in this, but we did get some people that were very negative, and I just you know I tried to do it as best I could. Uh, if I didn't run the campaign in, in the in the clearest or best way possible, you know my apologies to anyone who didn't quite understand it. But uh, the people who did believed in it, and they helped us to make it happen this year and th- with their contributions plus the, the sponsorship money that we have been able to raise. Um, in you know, uh, at the same time, we've we've been able to come up with the money that we'll need to do the event and do it well and do it right and um, you know do right by the fans as they come in and give them the best and most comfortable experience you know that we can give them. I mean, that's what we strive for every year. Uh, we just like people feeling welcome and loved and uh, and um, comfortable. You know, like we we offer a place where they can really just kind of relax and chill and enjoy you know, video games and, and, uh, or sometimes just lounging, just like, yep. you know, getting a, a, a breath of fresh air and charging their phones or whatever. Yep. And then you never know what's happening at any given point. You know, certain celebrities will pop by just to do photo booth sessions uh, for charity. It's, you know, 20 bucks a pop and they just, you know, it'll be on their Twitter and, you know, 10 minutes later it's happening. So, um, I always loved, you know, I wanted, I wanted Nerd HQ to always feel very spontaneous in that regard. And I love social media and I love the kind of instant power that, that you can get through it and being able to just make something happen. And we're able to do that a lot at Nerd HQ. 
That's excellent. And I know uh, being a regular Comic-Con goer, um, it is great to have these oases where, as you say, you can just get off the con floor. You can chill. Literally, a lot of these things are outdoor, but air conditioned. And, you know, like you said, video games, photo opportunities, the chance to charge your phone, which is crucial today for everybody. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, God, I go to a ton of panels and I, you know, you, you just search for an outlet while you're sitting there so you can charge while you're listening to whatever. But the great thing is, again, the programming that you have, you mentioned the photo opportunities. I mean, you know, we're talking Nathan Fillion, last year Matt Smith, uh, Katie Sackhoff, uh, all of these great stars of nerd culture that people get excited about. And again, connecting to the fans with social media, letting letting them know what's going on. What what can you tell us about this year as far as programming? How much can you tease? Uh, You know what? I honestly, as much as I wish that I could tease, I can't even tease because, (laughs) you know, we... we, uh, Basically, every year, I mean, we're kind of putting together a loose slate, um, and I'm not even the one in charge of that. Okay. Um, fortunately, I have people that are much better at that, and they <laughs> are kind of, you know, gauging with um, agencies and managers and studios and seeing what shows are going to be coming down for Comic-Con and, you know, what films and whatnot. And, you know, because uh, we're what we try to do is put as, as much money as we can into the event and um, and uh into nonprofit with all the money that we raise through those panels and photo sessions and you know all the celebrity interactions, um, we don't we don't like fly people in. We don't bring people in. We basically just assess who is already going to be in San Diego, and then we reach out to those people and say, "Hey, do you have an hour? Do you have a couple hours? Would you like to come by and do these activations with your fans and raise some money for Operation Smile?" Um, and then, you know, and then also, you know, would you or would you like to come by uh, the party that we, you know, want to offer you to thank you for your time? Um, so because we don't ever really know who's going to be down there until kind of much closer to uh, Comic-Con itself, uh, we never really know what our slate of uh, – of uh, panelists are going to be, um, but rest assured that we are doing everything we can to solidify uh, every year the best possible guest list, uh, panelist list that we can, because we we just you know again it's it's all about trying to make as many people happy as 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 possible, and there are so many great uh, talented people that end up down. In San Diego at that time, you know, Joss Whedon's um, done a panel for us the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I will. I hope that I can get Joss uh, for the rest of time. I hope I can get Nathan <laughs> Fillion for the rest of time. I you hope that I can get Matt Smith and Tom Hiddleston yeah. uh, and Katie Sackhoff and uh, Vin Diesel. And, you know, I, I just really uh, the, the people I want to get, Jared Padalecki, Jensen Eccles, you know. Um, Outstanding. Uh, um, you know, I just I, I want to get the people that the fans want. That's 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 what I want to do. It's really not a personal agenda, other than I like making people happy. I like <laughs> I like bringing smiles to people's faces and uh, feeling like I've offered them something that that makes them feel special. And uh, so, whatever panelists we can get that that bring that that evoke that in in the fan base that's down there, then that's what we're shooting for. And you really uh, get give the fans the chance to really interact during these panels as well. Am, am I right? Like, do they do? Fans- oh, it's, a, it's it's an hour. It's an hour of unmoderated uh, conversation. The fans get all of that. That's what I thought. So there's, man. No, there's no one. Yeah, I sit on. I'll sit on the stage and just kind of. Uh, uh, Traffic cop, basically. Host. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I I intro the panelists and I outro the panelists, and every once in a while I'll throw in a zinger, <laughs> uh, and or or if you know some some weird you know uh, awkward moment happens, or we have a technical difficulty, I'll vamp. But uh, other than that, you know, I just am a really I'm a really big fan of 
of fans. I'm a really big fan of supporters. I believe in the arts. You know, those are those are um, the people that mean the most, though, the people who are supporting you in your career. Um, and to give them an opportunity to just ask, you know, uh, what, whatever questions are just burning holes in their heads or their hearts. And uh, it just really makes them feel special and a part of what they already are a part of, which is, you know, um, keeping our television shows on the air or keeping us working in films, you know, um, they're very, very important. And, um, and I want them to feel, uh, that importance. I want to, I want them to feel that love. And to me, there's no better way than to give them a voice and say, Hey, there's not a moderator on the stage. You guys get an hour to ask whatever you want. Be respectful, obviously. Sure. Uh, you know, don't don't get too crazy. But nobody has. You know, that's that's been an amazing thing too. Is you know, in the in the three years we've done this, and now the, the fourth year coming up, but uh, nobody. I've not had one moment where a fan was angry or bitter or demeaning or or even too personal. You know, they might be silly and ask, you know, or are you seeing anyone right now? You know, and the panelists take that in stride and. Um, it just, you know, turns into a fun little moment, and uh, it's, a, it's a really, it's a powerful experience, man. I, it's, it's, uh, I, I can sum it up best by saying that. It is a really powerful experience being able to do, you know, 20-some-odd panels every weekend uh, or, you know, d- during, during the weekend, and, um, and just seeing that many people walk away so stoked and so uh, happy and so grateful that they got to be a part of that experience, both the panelists and, and, uh, and the fans, you know, everyone walks away just feeling just really happy, you know? And, and I think that those are really important things in life to have these waypoints where you get to recharge your batteries in your soul and be a part of something that's bigger. You know, that's what I like. And, and based on what you've been saying, I, and I wanted to get more in specifically about your years doing Chuck, I really think that when we look back at geek culture and the way social media has been an important part, Chuck is one of those touchstone television shows that really survived because of the fan enthusiasm. Um, and I, and it came at that same time as, as heroes, but you guys were, I think, able to sustain it a lot longer where you had this very fervent, active audience. And I was a part of that audience that was really like, no, we like this show and the importance of the way media is changing. And I think you had that ringside seat to see uh, where traditional media was. And, oh, sorry, I know I know this show has a lot of fans, but there's a bar to reach in network television and it's just not there. Luckily, NBC always knew that the core of your audience was active and gave you guys a real chance that a lot of network shows these days don't get. But luckily now there are other platforms. And I wonder, just as you're seeing the evolution of television and film and where it's going and also the importance of of, you know, fan support, what your thoughts are. That's an excellent well, I, question. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It's an, I mean, by the, by the way, it, uh, not only is it an excellent question, it is incredibly poignant and one that um, I have been very passionate about uh, finding the answers to. Um, uh, I think I think social network or, or social networking um, clearly is a very powerful thing. I think people need to be respectful responsible with it yes um and uh i think people are still kind of finding their footing in that Mm -hmm. to a degree um but but uh, you know as is to be expected i mean it's you know we've only been using it as a tool for really you know i guess twitter is kind of the to me it's kind of the king of social networking i mean facebook is you know i mean billions of people strong or whatever i'm not even sure what the numbers are but 
um, the instantaneousness of of messaging and communicating messaging um, and information of Twitter is just incredible. And um, what I've what I've been trying to do is try to figure out. Uh, how to where does that fit into uh, business model specifically in entertainment and how do you harness it in just really cool easy um, uh, palatable ways where you know you can go and support projects um, and um, and using it as as a tool that is just very effective and not watered down and also doesn't negatively affect whoever is putting that messaging out you know it's uh, sometimes, you know, as as um, someone who is, you know, as influence or whatever, you got to be really careful because a lot of people hit you up and be like, "Hey, will you talk about this? Will you talk about that?" And uh, then ultimately, you feel like you're just like a big clear channel uh, billboard that's sure. on the side of the freeway, and um, and then you know, then your your own personal messaging. If you really want to put something out there that means something to you, it might get lost in in the kind of white noise of that all. So, um, how do you allow people the opportunity to support? Uh, their own careers, other people's careers, without that stuff getting watered down, while it still remains powerful, because it is. Um, I I think that we are at the precipice of something really big, and I want to be. Um, I want to be there. I want. I want to. I want to be there, helping to shape that and to um, be a kind of uh, a leader in that. Because I really do think there is just so much to to be harnessed in that. And, and as long as it's done correctly and done responsibly and done tastefully, I think it's nothing but good. It's when it starts going the other way um, that it can really start, you know, being not good. And, you know, and I think that's on, that's on both sides. I think that, you know, as, as influencers, you need to be really careful about how you influence people. And I think that as, you know, as um, people who, who listen to influencers or, you know, one might say fans or supporters or, or whatever, uh, the general public, you know, I go on my Twitter sometimes, and um, I think I do pretty pretty good at not taking things personally, but occasionally it's really hard, sure. because people can be really, really mean, um, and they think, well, you're a celebrity, how that must not affect you, and you go, no, it actually really does affect me, even if just one person, I'm, I'm a human being, and I have a heart, and you're just, just tearing me down right now, and I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle that without feeling just completely defeated, you know? So you got to be very careful uh, on both sides of that and just be respectful and be kind. I mean, really, I guess it, I guess it all kind of boils down to that, right? Take social networking out of it. Just be kind to each other. Be, be decent people and... Um, and then apply that to your social networking, and I think everything should be fine. Yeah, be excellent. <laughs> be excellent to each other, as Bill and Ted would say. I'm, I'm with you, man. <laughs> That's right. Um, that is right. With um, you know, let me let me ask you some uh, some geek culture questions. Uh, and I, and I know you've been busy. I know you were on Broadway, and uh, congratulations. Yeah. It sounds like that was a successful run. Is it first date? Is that what it was called? First, yeah, first date. Yeah, it was an original. Uh, Romantic comedy musical, and we did that for six months at the Long Acre on uh, in, on on Broadway on uh, on Forty Eighth Street, and uh, that was a, just a total dream come true. You know, I, ever since I was a little kid, I dreamt about doing Broadway, and I finally got to do it. So that was that was excellent. Awesome. And did you just get married? Did I hear it correctly? Or did something? I did indeed. I, I yes, I just married the love of my life, and we are uh, in our kind of uh, mid mid honeymoon right now. Um, and uh, just kind of, you know, looking at the rest of our life and, and where God's going to take us and all that, you know. That's uh, awesome. Very, very cool. So I don't know how much time you've had either, you know, this year with, you know, some of the movies that have come out or some of the geek culture television and stuff. What what uh, excites you from a geek culture standpoint that you've if you've had time to see anything? 
Oh man, um, I haven't I haven't really been able to see all that much, to be honest. Um, I feel like I feel like maybe my favorite movie um, of the year might be the Lego Movie. I'm not going to lie. Fantastic. I just found it so delightful <laughs> uh, and just funny and, yeah. and and fun and heartfelt and you know with you know good messaging and. Um, so that that you know, I, th- I thought X Men was pretty good. I, cool. I, I saw that. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you bet. My buddy James Gunn directed that, and Chris Pratt's a buddy. And you know, I just want to go and support those guys and the and you know, in my kind of Marvel family in that regard. And yeah, man. Um, I'm trying to think of what else is what else is coming up. What what are we? Well, those are the, hit me. What, what well, Captain America, Captain America, Winter Soldier, I guess, and um, oh yeah, no, I enjoyed Cap. Yeah, I enjoyed Cap. Uh, How about Godzilla? Haven't seen it myself. And I, you know what? I I saw. <laughs> oh, I saw it. I thought there was some really cool stuff in it. I there was some stuff that I just did not understand. I, okay, I, or rather, there were some motivations of characters. I was like, I where where are you going? Why are you doing that? I don't understand. I don't understand that, but um, anytime I get to see Brian Cranston on screen, I'm stoked about that. So that I'm hip. Nice. I'm hip. All right. Well, listen, I because I I I I've told you like 20 minutes or so, and we're we're almost at that point. So I don't want to mess you up. Um, would love to talk to you again, and maybe at San Diego, I'll be there. So hopefully, and I know you're gonna be running around like a nut, but maybe uh, you know at one of these Nerd HQ events, I, I can pull you pull you over for for a couple seconds. Regardless, go ahead. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Well, regardless, let's let's let people know what they can do and what they need to do if they're going to San Diego to to keep abreast of uh, Nerd HQ events and also if they want to support, you know, uh, Nerd Headquarters and uh, Operation Smile, uh, what what can you tell us and what, what do they need to do? Well, as far as Operation Smile is concerned, you can just go to operationsmile.org. Um, there are plenty of uh, ways that you can involve yourself. I mean, even other than monetarily, I mean, I would be stoked if anybody wanted to give anything they can. Essentially, um, you know, it boils down to one hour and $240 uh, equals one surgery, and that's a life-changing surgery for uh, mainly children, but even adults are helped, you know, adults that are later in life who have been living with cleft lips or palates. Um, but an hour, $240, that you change your life. You know, it's a, it's a really amazing thing to be able to be a part of that. Um, so if you can uh, monetarily help in that regard, that'd be amazing. If you can't, um, you know, look through the site. I mean, there's ways where you can volunteer. Um, you know, there are uh, other opportunities that involve just kind of energies and time as opposed to money. Um, but they're an incredible organization, and I really believe in them. I believe in their leadership, and I'm honored to be uh, an ambassador for them. I, um, it's been a, a real uh, blessing in my life to be able to championship, champion something uh, that I really believe in, like their mission. So uh, definitely go check that out if you get a chance. And as far as Nerd HQ is concerned, just come by. Um, I mean, follow uh, follow the Nerd Machine on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Nerd Machine, but the Nerd Machine on Twitter. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, thenerdmachine.com, and you can get all kinds of information um Regarding Nerd HQ and uh, when you know door what our, our hours of operation when when the event will be happening, uh, the panels when we start releasing who the panelists will be, those will all be announced through our Twitter feed or online on our website. Uh, so definitely check that out. We'll have you know again I can't give any names, but I can guarantee there'll be some great panels. 
Um, and and like you said before, there you know it's twenty. I think with tax or whatever the, the kind of um, handling fee, it's, it comes out to like twenty one fifty or whatever. But essentially, they're twenty dollars a seat, and every penny, every single penny, goes to Operation Smile. Um, we have, you know, the, the event itself is free to enter into, by the way. Um, it, the only things that cost any money are the celebrity, uh, interactions, uh, that are all for charity. The photo booths, those are 20 bucks a pop, all for every penny goes Operation Smile. Any signings we do, 20 bucks a pop, every penny goes Operation Smile. If you want food or drink, that'll cost you. Um, but it's, it's free to, to come in and it's free to come and hang out and play some video games and, or play with whatever cool little technology we have laying around. Charge your phones, hang out. Um, we have a big, a big party, free admittance on Thursday night for all of the public to come and just rock out. Uh, I'll be there. Some of my friends always end up joining me inevitably. Uh, it's just a really fun weekend. I, you know, so I encourage anyone and everyone to swing by. That's great. Check it out. A lot of people, uh, a lot of people have just never had the opportunity, and I encourage anyone and everyone to just come and see what we do because we really are just trying to, you know, do something that's that's, that's awesome in the world. Yeah, you know, and that's that's the key to having fun at Comic Con is being hip to all of the cool free events that are happening, where they're happening, and stuff. So go to the Nerd Headquarters. I'm looking to make sure. Excuse me. So go to the, no, nerd, the nerd yeah, machine. Yeah, I'm, I'm correcting it. So go to thenerdmachine.com uh, to the, uh, Zach's website and check out the information because, as you say, yes, these there are a lot of cool free events to take advantage of. Don't waste eight hours sitting or eight hours, two days waiting in line for a Hall H event when all this cool stuff is happening as well with less people, more intimate, and a better shot at uh, at, at at seeing some of your favorite celebrities and also participating if you get a ticketed event as well. But let, but but let me if I if if I may please let me just throw in uh, don't don't feel like you're wasting time uh, at a Hall H event either <laughs> you know those are amazing and big and powerful and Comic Con uh, does an incredible job at bringing down oh, yes. insane panelists and and doing an, an incredible job being the mothership down in San Diego so uh, you know if. If it takes, you know, however long to go, to go, you know, line up, queue up, and go see those panels in Hall H or Ballroom 20 or wherever you're going, go rock that, too. Those are awesome. We, we're offering just some supplemental programming in San Diego at the time, and, and, and hopefully, you know, people enjoy that as well. I understand, and I'm glad you said that. And by all means, yes, Comic-Con is a great event, and it does have amazing content. And it is also great that they are magnanimous enough to allow people like yourselves and the Nerdist sure. and Trick and all of these other satellite uh, happenings that, you know, take advantage of the audience in a good way and provide more programming outside the convention hall. I mean, that's the thing. The whole San Diego Comic-Con weekend is an excellent happening. And, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm really glad that you are providing supplemental programming to make it even more cool. So I, That's what we try to do. There you go, man. No, nice going. Hey, congrats. I'm really glad that uh, everything seems to be going so well for you uh, post-Chuck. And, you know, I mean, Chuck was awesome in itself. Is there anything very quickly that uh, we can look for on screen for you uh, coming up? Uh, uh, nothing that I can confirm or deny or anything at the moment. I'm still just trying to figure out where uh, God's going to take me in the next, you know, couple months, a year of my life. But once once that all comes to fruition, uh, you, you will definitely know, I'm sure. Excellent, man. No, I thank you for your time. Congratulations on, on the marriage and uh, good luck on that. And, and I'm sure you, you will have it. And uh, thanks for spending time with the Word Balloon audience today. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. 
There's Zachary Levi. Man, that was such fun. And I really can't still believe that I got a chance to talk to him. I'm sorry I missed him this year, but uh, at least I was able to present that conversation with you right now on Word Balloon. Let's switch gears now, although it's still in the Shazam universe because we're about to talk to the physical model for Alex Ross's Captain Marvel, Shazam. That's Sal Abenati, his art dealer. Sal and uh, Alex got together way back when they were both working for Leo Burnett, one of the big advertising agencies here in Chicago, and uh, became great friends and eventually great collaborators as uh, Sal has been repping Alex with his art for, as he says, about 20 years now, and um, also Bill Sienkiewicz. It's a great uh, chance to talk to Sal about uh, not only the convention, because Sal runs the Alex Ross art booth at all the major shows. Um, Alex was not at San Diego, but as you learn from this conversation, Alex and Chip Kidd are doing a Marvel book, all of Alex's uh, great Marvel art that he did over the years, starting with Marvel's back, God, 25 years ago now. But also, uh, you know, his current cover work that he's been doing with Marvel in the recent years. And uh, much like the uh, DC book Mythology, they're doing this Marvel book, and it will debut in the fall at New York Comic Con. Chip and Alex will be there. They'll be doing signings there. They'll be doing signings in Chicago. I think a couple other cities as well. We get the details from Sal. Sal also runs the Alex Ross art booth and the Bill Sienkiewicz art uh, gallery. And uh, both guys have beautiful presentations at Comic-Con this weekend and then also uh, at other shows as well. And uh, we get just a good behind-the-scenes look of what it's like to put up a uh, a Comic-Con, you know, high-intense booth, one of the premier booths that are there every year at Comic-Con. Don't take my word for it. You can see from the photographs and the videos that uh, Sal has been publishing as well at the Alex Ross booth and the Senkevich booth. In fact, our conversation begins with Sal explaining why he's been producing his own content for Bill and Alex, as opposed to going through a newsarama or some of the other blogs. So let's start our conversation with Sal Abenati on Word Balloon. You know, we're always giving content out to people, you know, for exclusives and for this and that. And then I start looking at some of the, the people we're giving these things out to, and they don't have more followers than we do. There you go. So I'm like, look, guys, uh, you know, I'm sick of giving shit away. Why don't we just do it ourselves and let them retweet our stuff instead sure. of, you know, the other way around? I hear you. Good so for you, that's kind of where I'm headed. Yeah, I'm headed with this, where I want to cool. just start being able to create our own content. Is that's what I'm looking man. for. You know? That's great. Well, and hey, man, I'm happy. And you to... know, you know, you've been doing it for you've been doing it for 20 years. So <laughs> what do we might count, you know? <laughs> 12 years, but yeah, 13 yeah. years actually. 13. Yeah. Just said yeah. my thirteenth okay, anniversary. To me, everybody. To me, everybody I know is twenty years because that's how long I've been working with Alex. So to me, it's twenty years. I'm with so. you, man. No, no, it's all good. No. So I just say twenty years because it sounds better. I I understand. I'm, I know you know. I I got I got a little bad luck thing where I'm I'm not even saying that it's the thirteenth anniversary, but it is. So I'm just like, hey, we're starting our fourteenth year. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know. or, or when people don't know, like with Comic-Con, I don't really know officially anymore even how many I've done. I don't, I, you know, I don't remember when I went, years I missed because I was working or, but I know with Alex, I started, you know, him with, you know, going officially for him in 2000. Okay. So it's, wow. easy, to do, it's easy to do the math, but I started going in the 90s. Sure. So, well, yeah. I don't re- I don't remember how many I've done. I know it's over twenty five, but Jesus. so I just say twenty five. That's people cool. Go, hey, how many years has Alex been here? I go twenty five. You know, because <laughs> I, I give up. I mean, 
and, and, uh, and if you sleep in a fucking bathtub, you have the right to say you've been near Comic-Con 25 oh, years. Yeah. Cause I slept in a bathtub my first year there. So <laughs> how many, all right. Are we, can can this part of it, can this be on the record now? Or are we on the record or no? Yeah. All, all, right. all of it. All you right. You know me, I'm not. Well, yeah, I, you know, hey man, I don't want to. You know, I'm not a gotcha guy, so that's good. It's, well, then, no, Sal, we're, we're too. It, we're well, too, you tell you tell me if I if I'm you know getting into areas that that you know I rub people the wrong way. No, and, no. and if you whatever you got to cut out, you just you just you don't worry about it. Cut yeah, it out, you're a good you know? man, Sally. Well, then I will officially say, Sal Avenatti, welcome to Word Balloon. It's always a pleasure. I'm sorry it's been so long, Sal. We see each other, we text each other, so it it doesn't seem like it's been that long. But then I look up, and I'm sure it's been like you know. At least a year, if not two, since you know, it might have been when we two years ago we did the panel. Well, you're you're like you're like you're like one of those movies that you know anytime it's on, you got to watch it. Oh, you know, right. like the Dirty Dozen or you know Kelly's Heroes. Yes. You yes, know, anytime you and I start bullshitting, it turns into a three-hour conversation, <laughs> and we talk everything from you know baseball to Wabash Avenue Damn and your, your old man and my old man. Absolutely, man. Comics and how much you hate sports, but love boxing and all that kind of shit. So, you know. I don't hate sports. I just got, you know, working for sports I, radio. I, you're the only you know. guy I know that work, at, work in sports radio, but he hates sports. I, I, if I bring up the Bears or the Cubs, you're like, oh, shit, I don't care, Sal. Well, I and just I'm, don't know. <laughs> you're like, you, you cut me off and go, oh, I don't give a shit about that. No, no, I, I, I just, I, I don't I'm, even, not, I'm not watching. I mean, that's because, again, I had to watch, and I had to watch for so many years for so many bad teams and you know it's weird because other other things I've covered journalistically and forgive the the phrase but you know I've I've still managed to love them but yeah sports it was just like I just think everybody's so goddamn greedy and and it's yeah, and, yeah, and, and, you know it's, I was watching it's a lot yeah I, I was yeah. I was watching like an old uh, and and this proves that I do still like some things about sports I was watching although you're going to love who who this conversation was it was Costas and Marvin Kalb the old news guy and they were having oh, this God. very yeah they were having this very white collar talk about sports and um but but Casas made the point about how you know just the prices at the ball games are so far away from the common man and that really bugs me it really they keep reducing the amount of tickets and i know like at um the cell or pardon me guaranteed rate field <laughs> i always forget what the white Sox current sports right, is right, you know right. they've got they do have that. They have that cheap section because you know the 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 way they built the stadium is all fucked up, and you know they've got those really shitty ch- uh, uh, seats that they can't give away. So those are those yeah. are on sale, and I'm glad. And the White Sox should do that. The Cubs, good lord, man! And again, I, I'm glad they got the championship. I cried when they won, but uh, I, I just I don't like the Ricketts. I don't like I don't like I didn't like uh, the Tribune it, either. It's 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 very different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. I got I gotta say I'm. To me, it's more like, hey, look, it's it's one of those progress, you know, life moves on. Absolutely. You know, like when they oh, when sure. they changed the Mustang, you know, when they <laughs> when the eighties when they made all the cars fuel economy, and I yeah. thought it sucked. Yeah. You know, when Farrah Fawcett was driving a Mustang and it was a little shit box and with a pin, it looked like a Pinto yeah, with plastic. But that's, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, would I trade the Ricketts for a World Series? No. No, because we would not have won a World Series without the record. Absolutely, That's just the reality. Absolutely, because they, 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 you know, they stepped up to the plate and spent money. Yes, and, 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 and it's the nice that they're a world, contender. Yes, yes. You you got to do it. I yes, mean, and all the pomp and circumstance around Wrigleyville, 
is kind of, I guess, it's all. It's like what New Yorkers say about Times Square. New Yorkers, yes. you know, love and hate what Giuliani did to New York. Yes, you know when Giuliani was a great man. Now he's turned into like your crazy old uncle. Oh, it's but ridiculous. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but he look what he did for New York. I yes. mean, when I started going As to man. New York, there was nothing. It was it was taxi driver. It totally it was prostitutes and, hyper, and hypodermic <laughs> needles. You know, you couldn't walk through. You couldn't walk through Times Square with your family, or even you know, without worrying about you know. It was it was super fly when you walked down Forty Second Street. It was super so, fly. <laughs> well, let's get back to comics. I wanted yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, you know what uh, Chip and uh, Alex are uh, promoting in uh, in San Diego and stuff. We uh, we've been we've been pulling this thing together now for wow, believe it or not, like three four years. But we when uh, Chip and I talked a couple of years ago about the possibility of. Alex doing a sequel to mythology, which is the, you know, the mythology is a book. It's got 12, 15 years old now, which is Alex's, the art of DC comics or Warner brothers in general. Mm-hmm. So that, that book was 10, 15, at least 15 years old now. And, and, um, you know, we've always talked about a sequel, but like anything else, you got licensing issues. You've got licensing concerns because it was, it's Disney now. It's not just Marvel. So, you know, we rang, we were able to wrangle some of the licensing, you know, issues and Disney and Pantheon got together and, you know, the suits hashed it out for a while and it was touch and go for a couple of years. I mean, literally just getting both sides to, uh, you know, kind of do see eye to eye or whatever was fair. And then we got the go ahead, uh, you know, like a year ago and, um, it's been in production since we just wrapped it up. I want to say like a month ago. And it's, it's, it's with the, it's, you know, it's overseas with the printer now. And, um, we're going to show, we're going to be at San Diego. We're going to have a big display called Marvelocity, which is all the, the art of Alex Ross, the, all the stuff he's done at Marvel, mm-hmm. which, you know, people don't realize that he did, he did almost 10 years exclusively over with DC where he was doing the treasuries and, you know, after kingdom come and after uncle Sam Yep. And and people forget how much work he started at Marvel and how much work he did at Marvel. So it's it's almost I would say pretty close to the entirety of everything he's done at Marvel in this book. Wow! And it's it's great. There's just there's hundreds and hundreds of pieces of art and and of course Chip, um, the way he lays it out and designed it and the the, the lettering and the um, the overall layout of the book. It's you know Chip is great. You know, yes. Whatever he does. But, yes. Uh, it's uh, it, and it's interesting when these two get together because they're strong. You know, each each guy's got a strong design aesthetic of their own. So Alex had to make some concessions, and Chip had to make some concessions. But it'll um, it comes out ironically the week of uh, New York Comic Con. That's great. But Very we're, cool. We're, yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna, and Alex is gonna be at New York Comic Con this year and uh, with Chip and do a two day signing there, um, and. We're going to do some local signings here at Chicago. Good. and uh, But that's in the fall. But we're going to have a lot at San Diego. He, Alex isn't going to be at San Diego again because people always get on my case that he's not at San Diego. But uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to him. And I'm like, guys, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? He, <laughs> he's, he's not. You know, they, they take offense to it. It's like, no, he's just, he's, he's, he's always, you know, really chasing deadlines and he's a workaholic. And he just doesn't want to take a you know a couple of weeks off to go to Comic Con. So. Well, exactly because it is that kind of time suck where not only the week you're doing it, but like you said, the preparation and the week after. I mean, I was just telling you off the air 
I've been banking a uh, bunch of uh, of interviews because I know that uh, it's harder to get book guests around Comic Con because of the people that are going. And and again, it's it's tough. So yeah, you kind of almost have to X out three weeks or whatever tough. at least. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Tough. Yeah, Sal. It, it, I feel really for you, is. man. Because you're well, the one. I don't that, you know. know. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's getting worse or we're getting older. You know, I don't know what it is, but every year. I swear I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it more and I'm going to do more and every year I just we add more because you know since I started since we 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 got built you know we got Sinkevich um we created more of a gallery style booth for him yes you know, cuz I wanted to showcase his work as a gallery you know as, as so people you know I wanted to create more of, of the white walls and the, the 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 apple store kind of aesthetic so that because the show was just became so chaotic, the show just became just a, just a shitstorm of logos and images and banners and and you know over the top that your your body doesn't your eye doesn't have anywhere to rest. Yes. So I you know I wanted I wanted to pull back and create more of a gallery type thing. So since I started doing that with Bill, the response has been tremendous. People, you know, Bill, I feel gets the, the treatment he's deserved for a lot of years, which is to, to, you know, his stuff belongs in museums, Agreed. in my opinion. Agreed. And, and so, you know, now with him, now that I've got him and Alex and Alex has got the helicarrier, you know, this, this <laughs> fucking mon- this, this animal that we created, you know, over the last 20 years. And now the booth has just become, you know, it's the fucking Hindenburg. It's this enormous, you know, because we got stuff we want to showcase and we're just kind of, we're we've let the, the product and the volume of the product and the amount of product kind of dictate the size. Mm-hmm. So every time I turn around, we're adding more and more space because we need more wall space. Wow. And it, it really is just meant to be, you know, a gallery. I mean, we're, we don't, you know, we, we didn't create it because we expect everybody that comes to the booth to buy something. We just wanted to showcase Alex and Bill, not as comic artists, but just as artists. Understood. So, yeah. you know, that's, you know, that's why Bill's, why Alex's booth is, is just lots of paintings and things for people to see and take pictures of, and there's videos to watch, and there's it's just the Alex Ross love nest, as I like to refer to it. So. <laughs> it is, and it's uh, it's an oasis, truly, uh, because I've gone to enough comic cons where it, like you said, the amount of distractions, it's hard to really focus on a brand because if you're just going with your usual comic convention banner and table and setup you're gonna get lost in the shuffle at san diego and even new york and it's uh, i'm glad that yeah that you've got the resources to show alex in this light and now bill as well and it's my friends uh have a booth uh, century guild they're out of la now they used to be out of chicago and they were a real mm-hmm. they continue to be a gallery sort of thing uh as far as their presentations when they're at san diego as well and um, no, I think you're right. I think it's like, wait a minute, what's this? And then when you see that it's Alex or you see that it's Bill, no, their stuff is deserving to be framed and, and exhibited in a gallery setting. And you've amped up the multimedia now for both guys. And uh, I appreciate you letting me be a part of it. I noticed you put up a, a, a Sienkiewicz, uh video uh, that we shot last year. And it was a good yeah. interview piece that, yeah. that I did with Bill. And no, man, they, they, uh, it's it's these guys deserve to kind of stand above the rest the way that um, just by reputation, Storenko and Neil Adams got, uh, do f- of their generation. And yeah, Bill and Bill and Alex, I mean, the work speaks for itself. This is iconic well, moments in comics. You know what? It, 
Well, you know what it is too, John. It's also we're not kids anymore, you so, know. And we've been doing these shows for a long time, and you just—I felt that, you know, I—I've been—I've been repping Alex for, you know, twenty years, just under twenty years, and and I just—I hit the wall with with selling artwork, with selling originals is all we did, and I just we I, we did it the same way for a long time, mm-hmm. which was kind of the formula at Comic Con. Sure, floor to ceiling banners. Tables, tablecloths, portfolios, you set it, you set up, you know, and it's, it was great. It worked, but it just started to become really, really boring, really, really the same old shit year after year. And I said, look, we got to do something to kind of stimulate your imagination or try something different. And, and so the gallery style was something that, you know, everybody tried. It was kind of built on necessity because every booth had the same formula, which is, let me block the guy behind me. Let me create as much. No, you, well, you I know, don't you, you mean. John, you remember, you used to be able to go to the con and stand at one end, and you could look down, and you could see the other end of the hall. Agreed. And then what What people started to realize, or especially the big guys, DC and, and, and the bigger companies that had more real estate, said, hey, we want to block out our competition. We want to, we want to like, you know, you, we want you to look across the hall and see a 40-foot right. banner of Superman. Which is fine. I mean, it worked. And so I just said, I asked, I said, hey, look, how big can we make these banners? And they said, floor to ceiling. As long as it's over your booth, you can, you can make, you know, you can cover the entire thing with it. All the way to the ceiling. You know, from the floor to the, you know. So I said, well, that's, that's how big we're going to make the banners. And then pretty soon everybody started doing it. Yep. And everybody had stuff on the ceiling to try to, you know, so you could see them from, you know, 100 yards away. Yep. And, you know, from the other side of the hall. And before you know it, now everybody's blocking everybody out, and you, you can't see anything anymore. And your eye doesn't have any doesn't know where to stop and where to begin, and it becomes just chaos. It becomes like the used car lot where it's just you know yes. just shit everywhere. Yeah, you know. And, and so I said, look, all right, if, if you know you want you you need to create art for art's sake, sometimes let's go with a gallery. You know, and and you create kind of a visual oasis for people to just at least calm, kind of the Apple Store kind of aesthetic. Yeah, no, you're right. And you know, and so and it was built just basically out of boredom. I got tired of the same shit every year, of us doing the same thing, which is, hey, let's block the guy behind us. You know, let's you know, we want you to walk up and we want to have the you know, we want you to have the biggest banners we can possibly have because they don't cost anymore. Because they're all cheap, you know. They made a vinyl, and they're all cheap now. You just you just order the damn thing as big as you want, slap a logo on it, and go here you go. Got it. And so you know the the gallery kind of came from, you know, a little bit of that. Now that's that's the good news. The bad news is that the Teamsters, you know, and and the construction costs and everything else just just balloon out of control. But you know, it's you make more money, but you spend more money. Right. So it's right. kind of you're right back where you started. But at least you've got a booth that you feel is making, you know, a, more of a statement to, as to what type of aesthetics you want to convey, you know, as a company. You're not just selling the art or you're selling the characters. You're trying to sell, you know, the the artist himself. Because, sure. Because the artist is always more important than the product. You're trying to sell the artist. You know, if you ask somebody, hey, tell me who your favorite artist is, they can tell you. Now you say, okay, now name me 10 pieces. That Picasso did. They can't name you ten paintings, but they can tell you who their favorite artist is. Sure. <laughs> so you know a little bit of that. Started, but but I get pissed off because now I I you know I'm pissing blood by Sunday. 
Yeah. Because I don't have I don't have a minute. You know, you're shitting tax and spitting blood. Oh, you know, yeah. pissing blood oh, yeah. by Sunday. Because you know you're you're trying to do fifty things at the all at the same time. I know. And, and and the one guy that you're too tired to talk to tells everybody that oh you're an asshole because you didn't have time to, to to answer my question about Boba Fat. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm uh, I know. I'm it's sorry. Not, I know. know. I, I, I I I I was I didn't get. I'm, I'm sorry. You know. I, I'm, or the, the hundredth guy that asked me, hey, are you Alex Ross? And I say, no, I'm not Alex Ross. And then they're pissed off at me that I'm not Alex Ross. <laughs> but you know, it, it it's. it's <laughs> That's why Bill's there. You know, I, you know, Sienkiewicz is nice to everybody, so I don't have to that's, worry about well, it. Well, that's very true. I, I do want to point out because it's, it's I, I feel for you guys so much, all three of you, uh, and it's I want to make sure it's you, uh, Chris, and Justin, right? Justin's the third guy? Yeah. 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 You guys work your asses off, and I know, like, either, well, I, was I in New York last year? Yeah, I was. It was. I think it was the last New York. You have, like, this little closet space. Where it's you and Rupp, basically like trying to eat lunch in like the size of a phone booth, the two of you in there. And I walked by yeah. and I was just going to say hi. And you both are like, okay, now what does he want? And it, it was with no personal animosity, I believe, yeah. on my on your parts. But I just know how busy you guys are. And, I'm, and I started laughing. And I'm just no, like, no, no, no. What, what Don't what worry. Starts, what, really, what really happens, John, is you've got, <laughs> you know, because look, at the end of the day, I, I love it. I mean, we love sure, it's this. it's fun. Stuff. Don't kid yourself. Or yeah. we wouldn't do it. Of course. I mean, it's, this, this comics is either in your blood or it's really not in I'm your hip. blood. And, 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 and I don't apologize for it, and I don't make excuses for it to anybody on the outside who, who would would dare make fun of, of anything or, you know, related to comics as some kind of, you know, oh, you're the geek bullshit or whatever. I, I'll, I'd tear them a new ass. But the problem with cons are that you know, you've got 160,000 people and I, and I'm up, you know, at six 30 in the morning and I'm eating dinner at 11 o'clock at night. And I, your brain is trying to separate clients from friends sure. and fans and pain in the asses and just jag offs. So you've got like 40 categories of people. You have to kind of change gears to think of, okay, is this guy a friend of mine or sure. is he a client or is he a, a new guy? And, and and so finally, your brain reaches a point where it's like an old catcher's bit, where it doesn't know the difference anymore between who anybody is. And I'm like my mother, where I call you my sister's name, I or I call you my other brother's name. You know, she never has the names right. So I'm that guy now. It's all right. I call my son my daughter's name. It's yeah, right. I, don't, I don't I don't know what the fuck I'm saying anymore. Well, you're doing fifty things at and, once. I understand, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, I'm good. I'm good for about the first. You know, two days, three days, but we get you know, to set to set this shit up. We got I literally got to get there on Saturday this year. Wow. The so setup for me starts on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. Used to be you got to get the, yeah. you know, the semi, the semis pull in on Saturday Jesus. and we got to start unloading and setting up on, on, you know, Sunday and Monday and hanging banners on Tuesday. And then the Teamsters want to bleed you dry to get the most money out of you. You know, they take as long as they possibly can to set the boot up. The booth up, yeah, you know, like yeah. they're digging the Panama Canal. You know, these assholes, you know, you know, I tell them, I go, guys, what do you guys do? You know, building the fucking pyramid? It takes you four days to put a booth up. And so by Wednesday night, when the con starts, premiere night, preview night, and everybody's there fresh, you know, I'm fucking Raleigh Fingers, you know, where I got, where I've been pitching, you know, I'm 50 years old and I'm still pitching. And, I, and I'm like, whatever, I, I can't feel my arm anymore. No. I do know. Well, dude, I know. And, and you know, 
I've I've had. And you're ass- trying to be nice. Yeah. You want to be happy, you know. But your your you know your ass is bleeding. Well, you know, the, you're walking around. Your ass is dragging. The man. the amount of activity that the room is still putting shit together Wednesday afternoon, three hours before preview night starts. Uh, I know. Twenty minutes, John. We were we were pulling cut. We were pulling plastic off as they were walking in last year. Wow! Literally pulling the pulling the plastic off. Wow! Because that's how the teamsters will bleed you. Sometimes I, they will have your booth done either. You know, or they will let the job go as long as they can, you know, because they want to make the most amount of money. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's you're not, you're not going to win. So you, you, there's no point in arguing. I mean, it's Chinatown. You better just forget about it. It, 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 it. it is what it is. You're right, man. You're 100% right. You know, you, you, you got to just say, hey, you know, let's not get upset about it. Let's just try to do the best we can and get through this in one piece. But every year, John, I swear to myself, I go, I, I got to find a way to enjoy this well, sure. more than I do because it's just, it's, it used to be, you know, 60, 40 fun work. Sure. Sure. And then one year it became, you know, 70, 60. 30. Cool. And then finally, you know, you're down to like, you know, 90, you're down 10. to that little golf pencil where you're just <laughs> run to a nip. You know, I do know where you're, you're, your underwear are bloody at the end of the day. You know, yes. you, you, you just, you got nothing left. Oh. You, you're like, holy shit. Your underwear look like the rings of an old tree. You, you're just like, oh my God, I, I, I got to get out of here. And I got to put a suit on. You know, you always look great, I got to deflect the bullshit. You, yeah, you always. Well, you got you to gotta ha- have a suit on because you got to deflect all the bullshit because everybody at San Diego is with a business card is a big shot. Yep. You know, at least in their own mind, they're all yep. big shots. Yep. So you got to weed out who's full of shit and who's not full of shit right away. You know, you know, everybody's a producer, a director, a developer. Uh, uh, I want to option. Hey, whatever. You know, you're, you got to be nice to everybody because you don't know who anybody is anymore. But, you know, I miss the days when I could just go buy some back issues and look in some quarter boxes yeah. and, and do, do a little shopping and do a couple shots. And 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 laugh it up and go out at night and and actually remember what I ate, you know, instead of just you know what I, I understand. But no, it's I, no, I, I do understand. No, the people that are exhibiting are working really really hard, and yeah, I understand. Well, you know, my my analogy with cons is when the conventions become like the auto show is for broadcasters. That's when you got to stop going, and that's uh, yeah. you know in in broadcasting doing the Chicago Auto Show was just it was the worst because people were rude they didn't care they're drinking yeah they're, yeah i mean i was doing a well, live that, that, I, see, that's, go ahead. that's what i tell people about comic-con is that all i uh, it would make the experience of comic-con for everybody would be so much better if people would just remember one thing just be civil have manner don't forget your manners don't push, don't shove, don't be rude. Don't cut people off when they're having a conversation with somebody else. Don't, you know, try to cut through the booth a hundred miles an hour and knock shit over. I mean, and, you know what I mean? Just, yes. just be, just everybody with just that cool. It would be great. And for the most part, I mean, that's one thing that we don't get enough credit for in comics is that for all the crazy shit that's going on in the world with, you know, these, these, these incidents and these events, Comic people at, at, at shows, for the most part, and I mean ninety nine point nine percent, are are well behaved and 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 handle things well. You know, stand in line all night and wait at Per Hall H, and 
you know, show exclusive, very few incidents of fighting and bullshit and, and, you know, people acting like assholes, but you've still got a lot of jag offs. You know, you still got a lot of guys that don't know how to behave themselves. Yeah. You know, we're right across the Marvel. So we got to deal with all the celebrity panels that they have over there. Yeah. For the most part, everything's cool, but people get a little bit, you know, crazy with the selfies and they want to take the pictures and they want to knock people over and there's little kids there and they get not, you know, so people would just ask, you know, Hey guys, I just tell them, I go, guys, just, just be nice. You know, don't act like, don't act like assholes. I understood. You know, like, like, you know, like they're at a tractor pull. It's like, guys, yes. take it easy. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's just the asshole that played Iron Man. It's no big deal. He's not a real guy. It's just some, you know, some asshole. You know, two weeks ago, he was working at, you know, at, at you know, Sally stage over by the North town. He, he wasn't that big of a deal. You know, calm down. I understand what's, uh, you know, I'm really glad that both in the cases of Alex and Bill, that, uh, you're getting licenses beyond comics and now you're really producing art and lithos and, and other uh, pieces with some really impressive, you know, entertainment names, you know, I mean, uh, Bill's, Bill's do, been doing his stuff with Hendrix and, uh, some of the other licenses. I mean, you, you know better than I do, but like Alex's stuff with the Beatles and the Pythons and, uh, so many other great, you know, entertainment people. And it's, yeah. and it's great to see the combination of those people being interpreted through their art. I think it's pretty amazing. And I'm glad that, uh, those kind of opportunities it, it, have come it, up. It, 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 yeah. I mean, it's nice. I mean, because you, you really want to, you know, again, you want to think of like, you know, Bill's the, is, is, is a perfect example of a guy who's, you know, not just thought of as a comic artist, but just an artist, but he always goes back to comics because of his love of comics. Sure. Alex, same way. People think of Alex as a comic artist, but any, and again, that's his love. I mean, that's all our love. That's our core, but, he's got a lot of other stuff that he likes to paint and that he's interested in, you know, like just bucket list stuff like the Beatles and, and Monty Python. And we're doing some stuff with David Bowie now. And, and that's great. You know, he, he, Freddie Mercury and things wow. like that. So, you know, it's not turning your back on comics. Of course not. I, I hate people that get that are in comics that do other stuff and they act like that has validity to it or that's real stuff. Comics is just, Oh, well that's just kind com- there's nothing worse. And people that, you know, they piss me off when people do other stuff and they make it seem like, oh, that was just me working on a soap opera. You know, now I'm a real actor. Some bullshit. It's like, no, comics is, is a legitimate art form. And it's of these guys, their love. But, you know, the other stuff is just, you know, it, it's also an expression. And, and it's just kind of, uh, you know, a little bit, you move laterally a little bit, you know, just to kind of show some, some range and some other stuff. It doesn't always work. You know, uh, the Beatles, you know, Alex's core fan base are not Beatles fans. It's a it's a completely different demographic. OK, but, you know, it's the whole idea is to try to, you know, introduce the Beatles to new people. That was kind of their, uh, you know, at, at the heart and soul of our relationship with with the Beatles was that they're they're interested in kind of introducing the Beatles to, you know, younger generations. So that's that's why they're expanding their licensing approach to different things, and even with Legos, and they're doing lots of stuff now. So we were excited to work with them because I thought, hey, you know, the Beatles just when I was when we were growing up, man, they were they were the definition. I mean, they were the guys. Yeah, you know, they were yes. the gold, they were the gold standard, top of the pyramid, so thought, absolutely hey, you know, for decades. Yeah, to be able to work with them was just it was exciting. And Alex, it was a bucket list. 
for him to be able to work, you know, with the Beatles. So, and Bill with Hendrix, unfortunately the Hendrix job was, was not one of Bill's favorites because he went into it very excited and, and an enormous Hendrix fan, but just the guy who was producing the graphic novel just didn't make, you know, the project easy going for him. Okay. It was just too way too much art direction. And he came out of the project, not real happy with the end result because the guy who was uh, publishing it just broke his balls too much. Interesting. Well, you know, that does but happen with some of I these licenses. Some... Yeah, go on. Oh, oh no, I think it's great work, and so does he. But when you ask him about, you know, Hendrick, you know, his Hendrix project, he doesn't have a lot of good things to say, only because the, the creative process was, was a difficult one. I understand. You know, uh, there are other, yeah. what, what other licenses has been a pleasant experience for him? I know this wasn't a license, but it was really interesting during – uh, the presidential campaign, how much Bill got behind Bernie Sanders, and I thought did some excellent, yeah. beautiful work. Well, with Bernie. Bill, Bill is Bill's just one of those. You know, he's like a force of nature when it comes to he does like he does this series of memorial pieces. Anytime someone, you know, passes away, famous person or someone you know notable uh, passes away, he does a memorial piece for them, and he does it like within twenty four hours. That's kind of his thing. And they're they're all beautiful, and he's produced you know over a hundred of them now. Uh, we're 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 in, you know we're working with we're we're still trying to get it all worked out with you know Led Zeppelin. Now we're trying we're doing some oh, stuff great. with Zeppelin. Cool. We're doing some you know, but that's that's you know still again we're it's a timing issue. We're doing some stuff. Bill just did you know some work on uh, Halloween, you know the the re-release, and they're going to have a big thing. Oh, at, excellent! Uh, that's great. At, comic-con comic-con this year uh lots of gaming stuff we're talking about doing more stuff with again for him bowie as well uh some he i want to get him you know we're, we're talking about doing classic uh you know clint eastwood movie poster stuff you know from outlaw josie wales to the spaghetti westerns and things like that just film noir stuff is it all going to be you know, gangbusters and sell as well as, you know, Electra and things like that. Not necessarily, but it's, I feel it's important for him to stretch his legs with that kind of stuff. Cause that's who he is. Well, yeah. And I think and, they get excited know, about doing those kind of projects. Why not? Hopefully go on. Yeah. yeah well, I'm you know, you, you gotta, well, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's always going to go back to con. Well, sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's his love. But when we say, Hey, you know, what do you want to work on? Because, you know, Alex ran into a little bit of that where he just kind of, he hit a wall a little bit creatively a few years ago. And I just said, well, what do you feel like working on? And he, I just said, just, just, you know, you're at a point where you, in your career where you deserve to just be able to do whatever you want. So, you know, I just said, look, man, let's, let's, let's make a bucket list of some, some stuff and we'll figure out a way to do it. I mean, and we couldn't do all of it because, you know, you've got licensing issues and things like that, but um, we still have, you know, lots of stuff we want to do, like he's dying to do, do, you know, the Freddie Mercury stuff and, you know, the Bowie stuff right now is in, we're, we're trying to wrangle the creative uh, with with the Bowie estate because it's difficult okay. to get them to sign off on stuff, you know, because they, they, didn't, they didn't really have a, a, a strong sense of direction because, you know, after after Bowie died, nobody really wanted to, you know, to let anything go because 99 percent of all the bowie stuff you saw out there was all bootleg none of it was licensed because david bowie wouldn't allow any of that stuff interesting out wow so it was so people were just producing it just on their own and nobody was really policing it and 
the Bowie estate wasn't policing it. So we don't we don't really have the luxury just to be able to go. Ah, let's just do it and see what happens. Sure. Because you know they'll they'll you know they'll they'll drop on you like a piano if you go crazy and say we're just going to produce a piece and then see if we get you know a cease and desist story. I mean that's not the way to do business. I understand. I, you know. Every, you know. Do you know um, those guys? I think they're in Texas. Mondo. Do you know about this oh, yeah. thing? Okay. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah, is that yeah, it, they do great stuff? Pardon me. Yeah, they do great stuff. Mondo. I mean, you you can get you don't have to get necessarily a. Uh, you know, the full license, like, you know, certain things like we have a Warner Brothers license, we have a Marvel license, right. and you have to carry a full license, which means you have to, you know, produce so much product a year and you have to, you know, give them a percentage of whatever, you, you know, you make that uh, using, you have to get everything approved and that kind of thing. Okay. You can get, nowadays, you can just also apply for a project license, which means you could just say, hey, I just want to do one single piece of something mm-hmm. they could either tell you sure or no because like let's say you know with certain subject matter alex can do you know tons of pieces you know over the course of a few years with marvel and dc no problem because that's his thing right but if you you don't necessarily want to take on a led zeppelin license because how many led zeppelin pieces do you really want to make over the course of a few years right right you know you're, you're, you're what half a dozen and then you're done right you're, you're, sure. you're kind of you hit it and you move on so, so with Mondo, Mondo, Mondo kind of of what they what they started to show people that you can do possibly with permission is just to get a project license just for a single image, like what they did with Alex with Iron Giant. That was just a single image that they produced. And was that and, a Mondo piece? And they that was a Mondo piece okay. that was produced for the anniversary of Iron Giant, sure, and they sure. do great stuff. Yeah, at Mondo. Yeah. So you know, there's ways to do it, but there's also you know, you got to kind of see where, how Alex and how Bill feel about these things. Like, you know, hey, because there's some stuff that it's like, yeah, I, I think that stuff is great, but I got nothing. I understand. You know, I don't really sure. have any, you know, so you got to kind of see, hey, well, what do you, well, how do you feel about, you know, this? And you're like, Bill will be like, no, like the doors. I really wanted to do something with the doors. And Bill was like, yeah, I like the doors, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, I got nothing. Yeah, right he's now. not feeling it. No, I get so, that. Sure. He's not feeling it. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, Alex is the same way where he'll sure. be like, either he'll be like, yeah, I got something. But you never know because sometimes you'll think, really? You know, because, like, you know, that's how Monty Python came along. You know, the beauty of licensing is you don't have to do, you know, huge additions, you, you know, like Monty Python. You know, it, it happened to be, I found out accidentally that Alex was a huge Python fan. And, you know, they're represented, you know, they have the same rep as the Beatles. We were working with Apple. So we worked out, you know, that, that we could do a Python piece. Now, you don't have to do, you know, 500 pieces. You sure. can do a couple of hundred or you can do 150. You know, you can do a small amount. Sure. That, the piece was originally supposed to be done with the cooperation of, of the, the Python estate, meaning the remaining members were going to sign the piece and we were going to have you know, the piece released with, with the signatures of the rem, of the remaining members. Sure. As it turned out, we just could never get them all together, you know, at the same time. Unfortunately, I think there's some health issues and there's some, there yeah. was some scheduling problems. Terry, Terry Jones and, is suffering from Alzheimer's right now, I know. And, of course, Graham Chapman has passed away. And also even, I guess, Terry Gilliam uh, might have some health issues right now, too. But go ahead. Yeah, it was it was un, it was unfortunate because Alex is an enormous was we were very excited to work with them on, sure. on getting, you know, uh, some kind of a piece signed by the remaining members and things like that. And it was, you know, and Alex had a blast. 
And so, but again, it was just a couple of hundred, an addition of a few hundred. And then you move on. You move on to something else. Understood. It, it doesn't always have, and they're not all going to fly. Monty Python worked out great. Um, Flash Gordon was like that. We just did. That's Alex wanted piece. to do it because it was the anniversary. It was the anniversary of the movie. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not a big Flash Gordon guy. You know, even though <laughs> Sam Jones is a nice guy. That's what you were He's telling a nice me. Nice guy. <laughs> uh, no, Sam is ridiculously nice guy. But I, I'm that was. But again, that was Alex's favorite movie as a kid i understand and so he's he, he wanted to do it so i think anytime you got something that's near and dear to somebody's heart their their work is gonna you know it's gonna sing totally and you know it, the, the the flash gordon piece shows i mean alex you know loves that stuff and and it shows in the piece absolutely you know so, i like good another good example of that is his love of g-force and i never cared for those cartoons yeah but his yeah, pieces are amazing know, and the same thing yeah, with, with I mean, Flash Gordon. Um, it's an amazing uh, poster. It's a beautiful, it, 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 you know. You never know sometimes. You, you ask, you find out like the monkeys. You know, he's a big, Alex is a big monkey. Oh, I didn't guy, know so that. That's hilarious. With the monkeys. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're going to do, do something with the monkeys. And, and But, you know, you got to kind of also, they're scheduling because we're doing some stuff with Disney, you know, for the we're trying to, to, to develop this line, this Alex Ross line. Of products for for Disney because we're really trying uh, hard to get the stuff into the theme parks, you know. As oh, cool, you know, as product at the stores painting, or whatever, right? You yeah. know, for that, yeah. But you know, it takes time. Sure. You know, I mean, you gotta you gotta think of it as a we're thinking of things as a brand and moving forward because you know, again, John, selling artwork is nice. It's it's a it's an you know it's not heavy lifting, Lord knows. But after a while, you know, it just started to get a little bit you know, redundant. We were hitting the yeah, wall there. Yeah. So going into licensing was, is a blessing and a curse. I mean, it's great. You can do a lot of cool stuff, but it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road, man. Cause you've got a lot of, of, of contracts and paperwork and you, know, you can't just go out there like the wild west and do whatever you want. I understand. They'll come and shut you down quick. Yeah. And also, so, you know, you're not sure, you're not sure where, where the audience is for that stuff either, because, I mean, that's the, uh, to me, it seems that some of these uh, licensors that have uh, the intellectual property and stuff, you know, they, they'll, they'll obviously they want to make as much money as they can as well. And, and sometimes, and I think we've even spoken about this in the past, just Flash Gordon in general, where is the interest in that character right now? We saw it with the Lone Ranger movie. And and, yeah. and how that bombed, yeah. and it's because the I think the licensor kind of gets very particular about well when are we going to do it? What's the right time? What's the right you know John John uh, Carter had the same problem, and it's it's these things yeah, that yeah, we used yeah. to love when we were kids. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think the younger audience they don't give a shit. Yeah. They don't give a shit about that stuff. It 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 well sometimes you have to you have to do it for the sake of doing it, you know, I mean, if, if you feel strongly about like the universal monsters, okay. Which are beautiful. This, that, Those was pieces are beautiful. That, that was something that, you know, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that was something that Alex and I wanted to do because we both were huge fans of the universal monsters. And I didn't care if it sold or not. I said, Alex, you've been talking, you and I, we would get on like the way you and I get on, a, on the phone and talk <laughs> about all kinds of stuff. Alex and I would get on the phone and talk about Universal Monsters. We both love those films. Absolutely. Those, that era and those characters. Yes, yes. Growing up with creature, creature Features on Channel 9. Damn straight. And, 
and and I, and I didn't and I said, well, let's do it. Let let's see what we we can do to 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 make it happen. And and fortunately, we were fortunate enough that Universal was cool with it, and they sold out. Like it, you know, we offered them through Sideshow, and they sold out in less than an hour. You wow. know, every set sold wow. out immediately. So you know, you, and I wouldn't, and the people that I was working with at the time were like, who gives a shit about you know Universal monsters? No one's going to care. It's old. It's this. It's that. And I'm like, yeah, you're maybe, but I don't care. Because I thought their pieces were really cool. They're incredible, and I thought they turned. You know, they're, they're so, like scenes. You know, you they're like know. scenes in the movie that didn't happen, and they are like bonus moments. Uh, no, man. And and you told me remind uh, the listeners now. How long did it take uh, Alex to not? How many pieces, and how long did it take for him to paint those? He he had him. He when he gets going on him, he, he can go pretty fast, and he he did the, the core group of them. In a couple of days, he's like, "Hey, man, I, it was it was raining over Memorial Day, and I didn't have and I didn't go out, so I knocked these out for you." And I said, "Well, which one?" And he goes, "I got all of them." <laughs> so he knocked them out ridiculously fast, like six or seven pieces, just, right? He, he get, yeah, he got in a he got in a rhythm, man, and over a three day three four day period, he knocked them all out. Insane, and it was just like. And that was because he 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 got him down. He was cool with the layouts. Once the layouts are done and his, and and he he got the lighting reference he wanted, boom, he, he knocked them out. No, and they're amazing, man. So, and and yeah, we were very. We, I, I I thought they turned out tremendous. Yeah. And and so and again, that was one of the ones that you heard. You know, you ask people's opinion. You know, you want to kind of get some feedback. And some of the feedback we got was to don't bother. No one's going to give a shit about Universal Monsters. And I, I, I disagreed. And I said, well, let's roll the dice because the pieces, I think, are amazing. So now we're going to do – we're going to add to the set. We're going to do the, the – you know, of course, with everything you do, people always bitch about what you didn't do, not what you did. People are bitching, hey, where's Jekyll and Hyde? You know, oh, good. Hey, where's where's Phantom of the, where's Phantom of the Opera? Good. You know, where's, you know, the, the, you know, it, the, where's Nosferatu? You know, oh, very Quasimodo. good. They're always going to add. They're going to ask, you know, they're going to ask, you know, for the shit. You, and I'm like, we'll get to it. Where's Abbott and Costello? I was going to ask know, if Frank Abbott and Costello was going to be in there. All right. Very good. Well, Abbott and Costello is one we want to, we want to, I don't know if we can, the license, the crossing of the licenses is going to be allowed. So I we're going to try. Okay. To, you know, because that's one Alex definitely wants to do, oh, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a kind of, as a, as a, an extra piece. Sure. Kind of as a, a limited edition, you know, Abbott Costello meet, you know, Dracula and Frankenstein. That's fantastic. So we'll see, but we're definitely going to do, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, Nosferatu, and Phantom yeah. of the Opera, and Quasimodo, and, and, you know, the remaining core. And then after that, it kind of gets a little, you know, I think London After Midnight oh, might good. be one of the ones. Other Lon Chaney, absolutely. Lon Chaney Sr. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I don't think Cabin and Dr. Caligari, but I think Nosferatu for sure. Would he ever want to so. do the Hammer stuff, or no? Is it just the Universal stuff? The- Pretty much the Universal stuff. Okay. I mean, for now, maybe maybe twenties King Kong, because that that also falls into public domain now. Oh, very good. Quasimodo sure. and, and Quasimodo and King Kong, the twenties King Kong, you know, the Fay Ray King Kong, has okay, fallen yeah, yeah, into yeah. public domain now. Oh, that's so. Crazy. I said, look, maybe maybe you finish off the series by adding. You know, we think of King Kong now as the guy who's you know enormous character, but people forget he was a classic monster, right? You know, okay. of, of that era. Oh, and that was like an amazing moment oh. for 
uh, special effects of its time. Absolutely. Oh, no. Right. And I know right. that guy, Bob Burns, who used to always be in ape suits in a million TV shows and movies. He was in the Forrest Tucker, Larry Storch Ghostbuster show, and he was uh, Tracy, the, the, the ape in that. He has the original model that they use in the Fay Ray King Kong and everything. He still has it. And uh, he's, uh, wow. he's up there and everything, but he's, a, he's an amazing guy because he knew, he knew all those guys as they were getting older. He knew Lon Chaney Jr. He knew Peter Lorre. You know, he, he was incredible that way and could speak very, you know, with, he still can with great command about what these guys were like and stuff in their final years. So, no, I love mm. that stuff. And, and it's, it's great. Well, that stuff, I think, does stand the test of time. And I also think that horror fans really do appreciate that stuff because those were the building blocks of what came the blockbusters that even that we're experiencing now really started with all those universal films and you know those early those early silence like you said of uh of guys like Cheney Senior and and Nosferatu and the like yeah yeah that's great that's awesome yeah we were i was i was lucky i mean i, I went i was i met with the the Lon Cheney estate and um and the the Lugosi estate his granddaughter and mm-hmm. they could not have been nicer people i mean it was it, it was so re- i was so relieved because you know sometimes when you when you you hear word of mouth or third person you know oh this person's impossible to deal with or this person you know can be difficult or you know this person you know, could not have been further from the truth when it came to Bella Lugosi's granddaughter and and the Lon Chaney estate which i believe was his great grandkids or, or at this point, but the, I met with a, a few different people from the local, from the Lon Chaney estate, nicest people. That's great. Amazing people. And, and Bela Lugosi's son, people, a lot of people don't realize he was very, very important. He took, he, he, he took cases and that he argued in front of the Supreme court and he got a lot of money for like stars that were, were cheated out of money, like three stooges, and a lot of people who lost money on television rights and things like that. Lunch, I mean, Bill Lugosi's son was with a guy who fought for a lot of those, you know, legal battles because he was a lawyer. He was a, a prolific attorney. Yes. Who fought for the rights of that. Kind of scary when you see him in person because he's just dead on like his father. I mean, he's almost That's like hilarious. 20. Wow. I mean, the closest thing you'll ever get to seeing, you know, Bill Lugosi in person <laughs> is his son. And you're like, my God, that's that's <laughs> like that's him right there. That's fantastic. And he scares the shit out of you because you're like, wow, that that's him. <laughs> and you know, not just nice people. That's but, great. Well, and, know, and, and maybe and, maybe some and, of I, these... and he was and they were sitting next to next to him when I was at the licensing show in Vegas, where the Three Stooges estate people and and Curly's grandson was there. And same thing, you see Curly's grandson, and you're like, oh my God, it's scary how much. Oh, he that's looks interesting. Like Curly, because I yeah, I mean. Oh, you know, heavy and bald and everything. I don't know if he does it on purpose, but you're like, man, I don't know if he knows how much he looks like his grandfather. But my God, does he look like Curly? Because I had heard you on know, Gilbert, God- like- I had heard on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast that um, it was actually Joe Dorita's family that ended up getting the license for uh, for the Stooges because, and, and I don't know how, because I know that like. Uh, Mo's daughter and um, well Norman Maurer, his son-in-law, yeah. you know, was a comic yeah. book guy. You know, Mo's son-in-law yeah. was a big comic book guy. He was with yeah. he was with St. Yeah. John's in the fifties with Joe Kubert making three D comics. You know that that, right. that famous right. period and everything. But um, yeah, and I and again, this is you know, and sometimes obviously people don't get their facts right. So well, good. I'm glad that 
the Howard family. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I got no problem with Joe Dorita getting a cut of the action and everything. But that classic stuff, yeah, it's those it's those classic Columbia shorts with Mo Larry Curly, even Shemp. You know, those are the best. Those are the best products. Well, here, you know, it started. It started with Harry Cohn because Harry Cohn yes. was a notorious cheapskate, and he screwed them out of out of lots of money. And yes. their contracts never covered covered television. That's right. It didn't exist when they were making those shorts, and they were completely screwed out of any kind of royalties from those shorts. And, you know, they had, they survived a lot off of public appearances. They made a lot of money doing public appearances. Those in those movies, those, those, those Dorita movies they made as well. That's where they made the bulk of their money. Because like you said, yeah, they, they totally yeah. were fucked by uh syndication. They, they didn't got, get it yeah, done. By the, yeah. Well, not only that, they were, they were the Columbia shorts department would use stewed shorts as fodder to, for, to get the, the, you know, the theater owners to order B movies and other types yep. of movies, yep. you know, and the Stooges were completely in the dark of how popular these yep. shorts were. Absolutely. And so, I mean, complete, they were completely bullshitted that, you know, they were making, they made $1,500 a short and, you know, and, and it's like the Stooges are like bigger than the Beatles. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, you walk down the street, you show my daughter, she knows who the Stooges are <laughs> at three years old. I mean, you know, I, I mean, and, and I, and I'm a fan of, of classic comedy. Sure. And, you know, like Chaplin and Buster Keaton and, and, and Harold sure. Lloyd and sure. Laurel and Hardy. But, you know, I've always felt the Stooges never got their due. Agreed. They always were just kind of dismissed as infantile. Yep. And all because women don't like them. That's right. You know, most it's women, true. you know, my wife included. Sure. I, I, very few women like the Stooges. I don't know what the hell it is about the Stooges that women don't like. But most women don't get the Stooges. I don't know if it's because they think it's stupid or it's violent or whatever it is. But growing up. My brothers and I would sit, you know, on the floor, you know, Saturday mornings, WGN, and we'd piss our pants laughing. Absolutely. You know, and and to this day, it, you know, AMC shows them and Sundance shows yep. them. And, and yep. uh, you know, my God, the quality of the prints is amazing now. They're so clean oh, yeah. and clear and, you know, beautiful. You, would, you go and, to, would you go in high school? Would you go to, like, uh, you know, movie theaters when they when they'd show? Like a stooge retrospective. Once in a hours. while, I yeah, used to. Once in a while, they they would have the midnight thing at yeah. the Granada, yes. or you know, you know, and it, you know, you usually would get high or you'd fall asleep <laughs> because it was three in the morning by the time you got out of it. You know? It's true. Oh my god, <laughs> we'd go see midnight showings at the North Town. If you know, like the song remains the same. Yes, you know, or the Warriors. You know, and yes. we just—it was an excuse to go get high and get drunk and go with your friends, and you know, the Planet of go the, see the Warriors and get in a. Right, Bruce yeah. Lee marathon. You go see the Warriors and you get in a fight. Yeah, you fight with a bunch of Puerto Ricans on your way out because you think you're one of the gangs now. And, uh, it's uh, true. It's but true. You know. The ethnicities had trouble mixing. But, them, yeah, no, I, I, I will like like comics, like comics. I will defend the Stooges to like the last man for anybody that that dismisses them as not having a place, you know, in in American culture, an important place. Agreed. In American culture, considering those three guys died and never realized you know how long and how far reaching their impact would be on so many people and, and kids my kids still laugh their ass off there's a really you know and i think you go on go on well no you think there's something there because you you see old stuff that we grew up with john and you think okay i laugh at it and i get it because it was something that i grew up with as sure, a kid like we were saying but when you show little kids something they're not going to fake it if they don't think it's so funny they're going to just look at you like this is stupid. <laughs> my kids laugh their ass off at the stupid. My yeah, my yeah. daughter can quote Kemp, you know, like <laughs> she has a lot of Kemp quotes that she uses at school. 
No, I hear you, man. Every time we walk in, every time we walk into a nice building, my daughter Anna will go. It reminds me of the reformatory, <laughs> you know. And I, and my, <laughs> like she knows what a reformatory is. That's fantastic. <laughs> right, right. It reminds me of reform school. And my wife looks at me. She goes, "What the hell does that mean?" I go, "That's that's Larry. That's 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 a line from this. You know, anytime they walked into a nice house, Larry would go. Reminds me of reform school. You know, and that's, yep. that's yep. what it was." And, I, and she's like, that's really from the Stooges? I'm like, yeah, that's what you do. You quote the Stooges when you're a kid. <laughs> Absolutely. My favorite my favorite single line that they ever said in a, in a short was when they didn't realize that they were about to re-enlist in the Army, and they hated the Army, and they were about to re-enlist right, again. Right. And, and Curly sees the uh, recruitment poster, and he tries to interrupt Mo, and he goes, wait a minute, I don't think, and all of a sudden Mo just turns on him right, and says, right. every time you think, you weaken the nation. And that's just, right, to right, me, that's like the greatest right, line, right. the greatest Three Stooges line. You weaken the nation. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. No, I love yeah. it, man. No, you're right. It's <laughs> timeless, timeless. And again, you're right. Massively, massively underappreciated. And again, Well, you're, you know, you're seen as, you're, John, you're seen as, you know, the Marx Brothers. You know, I mean, no one will dismiss the Marx Brothers course, ever. Of of course, the Marx is probably one of the five funniest human beings you know, every, to ever live. Agreed. But they'll make it seem like that's highbrow. And if you like the Stooges, that's somehow, oh, that's lowbrow humor. You don't get Chaplin and you don't get Keaton because those guys were geniuses and they were brilliant. Yeah, they were. I'm not taking anything away from Chaplin and, and Keaton. But why does it have to be that those guys are great and like the Stooges are not? You know, because Agreed. I can it, it, it put the Stooges on when I got a rough day. Or I had a bad day, or something's got to be really pissed off, or you're going through something. Put the Stooges on, and, you know, and I laughed my ass off. I hear you, man. You know, when, when, you know, and, and it's just, it's, I, I don't know. Again, I thought it was a generational thing until I started to show my kids, and I started to see them laugh their asses off at the Stooges. And I thought, okay, I don't know if, it, if it's a lot like cartoons to them, you know, because Curly sure kind of has that. I'm sure it is. Has his, he's like a child. Sure. You know, maybe you know, Curly's always everybody's favorite. Yeah. Right. I think maybe because they see him as, a, you know, he's that kind of kid. Yeah, man child. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, when I'm in, when I remember I'm in California and, I, and I'm and i over in that neck of the woods, I have to drive down, you know, where old Columbia Shorts building is and, and just look and drive by because there's, there's a great book uh, out um, written by a Stooge fanatic, which he, he retraces all the Stooge location oh that's great film than where oh, they were wow. at. yeah and, and it's book. like i literally retraced the 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 when they're the ice men yes yes you know that they went oh, with i, I retraced yeah, that yeah. <laughs> i retraced the, the columbia shorts building that they used in a lot of shorts to run out of the building they're literally at the end of those of the short they just <laughs> use the building to run out of you know, you know, panther beer company you know that yes. loading dock that's yes. still there you <laughs> know that's right there you know that's crazy. That's fantastic. And, and I'm like, and so, and I would drive by and I'll point it out to people and they'll go, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I'll go, all right, well then you don't watch the studios. But right there is the building that they lived in that they got thrown out. You know, when you see them getting thrown on the sidewalk. Sure, sure. And those, most of those locations are still there. That's fantastic. And, and growing up as a kid, I thought, my God, you know, the, this is where the studio shot this stuff. But, you know, my wife's like, oh, there's something wrong with you. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You know. <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on the she wall. Get, Go ahead. What were you going to say? She doesn't get it. Well, that's she, all right. She's, she's, she's in a, you know. That's she, all right. She's like, well, she, she look, she's like, what am I laughing at? <laughs> She'll teach you know. him the high stuff. When, when, the, right. when, the, when, the, when the two reporters walk in, one of my favorite chump lines is, 
when the two reporters walk in and the one guy goes, I'm Jones from the Times. And the other guy goes, I'm brown from the sun. And Shemp goes, are you peeling? And I go, I go how do you? How do you? <laughs> That's awesome. See, that's what I mean, man. And I'm like, you don't get that. I look at my wife and I'm like, yes, it's stupid. I get it. But it's funny. Yes. There's something funny that they're laughing at themselves. Don't you get it? You know, I mean, it's like I'm brown from the sun. Hey, come on. Remember the one? Because that's, that's. Go ahead. Remember the no, remember just, the remember as we wrap up because I want I want you to go and pick up your kids but um, remember the one where yeah. at the end of it they're in they're in jail and uh, Curly's knitting and they're breaking rocks and they're breaking rocks on Curly's yeah head, and yeah. they're all fake rocks and all of yeah. a sudden they put a flat one on and said he goes hey that's a real one I'm no fool and right. you watch I'm, and, I'm no, yeah and Larry's laughing his ass off it's so great because it's so clearly yeah. like a borderline outtake. And you just see the smile yeah. on Larry's face, and it's like, oh, that's awesome, man, that they're, like, totally having a fun yeah. moment. So, no, that's the joy that they got out of performing. And, yeah, man, they, no, no, yeah. they're, they, they're amazing. They're amazing. The, the golf one is a I, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I, don't, I don't know anymore, you know, because you got a lot of people. Because, you know, whenever you see these, these awards and these this and these that, they never mention the Stooges. The Stooges are completely overlooked as, like, ah, come on. They're like Tom and Jerry, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like, I don't, I, I couldn't disagree more. Well, you know, they're all, I, mean, I think that, you know, you can make the analogy that the Stooges are kind of like comic book artists versus high end artists in terms of, I think, again, I think people like you and what you're doing with Alex and Bill right now to put these guys on the same places, the high artists and stuff. I think the Stooges had the same problem with their comedy compared to the Chaplins and the Keatons and the Lloyds. So I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Midnight in Paris. I don't know if you saw Midnight in Paris. I love that movie. Know, Woody Allen movie. I love that movie. Where every generation thinks that their generation is not great. They think of yes. the last generation or, yes. or generations in the past. They never take the time, you know, like like Norman Rockwell was frowned upon by fine artists in his day. He was really? considered, he was an illustrator. He was, yeah, he was considered a commercial artist. He was not even taken seriously as an artist. Wow. He, was, he was completely dismissed. By you know, by artists as like, oh, it was advertising. He produces advertising. Right, Saturday evening post covers how and he the was like. Referred to. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, and and same with Disney. Everything Disney did was not considered art. It was considered, oh, come on, that's just that's that's kid stuff. It's sure, this, it's sure. That. And I think it's the same way to to a large degree. You know, uh, you know, actors in their day or yeah, comedians yeah. in their day are, are not considered you know great until you know years later you look back and go, man, those guys were really. That stuff was great. That stuff was awesome that they did. I think you're right. And I think, you know, even again, in, in our geek world, thankfully, before he passed away, Adam West got his due. And I think and I, I really appreciated how yeah. DC kind of rediscovered the value of and, and Warner's of the Batman 66 stuff in particular and how it's like, no, no, yeah. no. It's like, wait a minute, this stuff. I mean, and we all as it's the three stages of Batman. When you watch it at four years old, it's high drama. You kind of think it's corny when you're about 12 years old. And then about just about high school or college age, you suddenly realize, oh, no, these guys were in on the joke. And they knew how ridiculous it yeah. was. And you realize how yeah, it's yeah. it's a comedy at a different level and absurd com- comedy. And these guys were all pros from Gorshin to right. Cesar Romero, right down yeah. to Burt Ward and Adam West. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the honeymooners. It's two chairs and a table. Yes. And it still works. <laughs> I mean, it works. I mean, it's, there, there's there's nothing fancy about it. There's no, you know, you know, it's two chairs, and and it's four characters, and it's like one and room, still, one room, one room, 
one room, and it's still as strong as it ever was. Damn straight. I mean, and it holds its it holds its own. Twenty two minutes, you know, with episodes. commercial, you know, without commercials, yeah. and you laugh your ass off. It's all true. You're right. And man. when people go, oh come on, you know, what about the facts of life, or what about uh, you know, <laughs> Tootie? I'm like, guys, guys, <laughs> come on, stop it, you know. Stop it. Have you ever seen the honeymooners? And they're like, not nah, really. I'm like, all right, well then shut up. Exactly. You, know, you don't know what's good then if you you know, sitcom wise, if you've never seen the honeymooners. I'm with you, man. You know, yeah, but what about, you know, mad about you? And you're like, oh God, I want to throw up, <laughs> you know, when you when they hear that kind of crap. Dude, pick a up different your kids. world. What about a different world? Oh, you know? oof. Horrible. Horrible. Hey, honestly. You know, we had- Go ahead. Go ahead. If you got time, you can keep going. When I was at when I was at the bar, I would ask people, "Give me your five sitcoms. Give me your five movies. Give me your five albums." You could tell everything you need to know about a person by what they say. And you know, I'm not saying that you you got to agree or disagree, no, you know, yeah. highbrow or whatever. But you could tell a lot about a person when they say you can only take ten movies to you know to save if the world's going to blow up. And you hear one of them is Footloose. You go, "What? <laughs> you know, out of, out of all the movies ever created, you're going to say Footloose? Footloose. Really?" That's you awesome. know, you skipped right over Alfred Hitchcock and Stanley Kubrick. Huh? None <laughs> of that made the cut. You know, you, you went right for, you know, Breakfast Club. And, and you're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? And you're like, well, nothing. I'm just saying that, you know, when the Honeymooners doesn't make the cut and, you know, uh, Tootie, you know, when Mrs. Drummond makes the cut, you know, you, you just go, okay. I, All right, I know where you're at. What are your five, right, my five sitcoms right away? Honeymooners, uh, Andy Griffith, Dick Van Dyke. Barney Miller, and uh, I would say uh, Larry Sanders in the '90s. What are your five comedies? Yeah, or yeah, or... yeah comedies. Yeah, you got to start with the Honeymooners. I always loved. I always liked the Odd Couple. I love the Odd Couple as um, well. That's that could easily replace one of yeah. the five. I, I mean, the Honeymooners, the Odd Couple. Uh, comedy wise, that's tough. There's yeah, a lot of the ones you mentioned growing up with Dick Van Dyke and, and I love Dick Van Dyke, you know, man. and Andy so Griffith. Smart. And Nanny Griffith, man, I've really started to appreciate the color. I love Lucy, Lu- you know, the, yeah, first, Lucy. the first maybe six or seven seasons of I Love Lucy. And I understand that you're you right, know, especially you know. And again, building blocks, much like know? the Honeymooners. I mean, that's your that's your you know where every sitcom you know can trace its history. It goes back to Lucy and the Honeymooners. I agree with that. Yeah. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot to pick from. Not a Barney Miller guy. Did about you like Barney Miller or, or no? Yeah, no, I really like. I still. Wa- I mean, that's one that still comes on, and I still watch Barney. I, I, Miller. That's that's I what I'm saying, Barney man. I can I, I can watch. Funny. Yeah, it's the shows yeah. that we've been watching for 40 years, and I can keep watching them and stuff. I know what you mean. 50 years in some cases. I like I like I like Mash when it had McLean Stevenson. I like to. You know, I like those, both those, versions, but I agree with you. It was funnier, obviously. Yeah, but I, I really, when when those are on, I could stop and watch it. I mean, yeah, it's got the laugh track, but when when you know Galbert was still writing it, yeah. and you had you know McLean Stevenson, and yeah, th- that for me was the best seasons of Mash. I understand, and I can watch it when they're on, you know. But yeah, I still get you know the honeymooners. I'll stop and watch. You know, the, the Odd Couple kind of ran out the last season, but for the most part, I could still watch the Odd Couple anytime. Uh, you know, Dick Van Dyke, Andy Griffith, earlier ones, you know, later on when he was, when, when uh, Don Knotts left, not as much, but uh, yeah, you know, same Dick Van Dyke, I understand. but <clears throat> Stooges, you know, we're always, yeah. You know, had, the Mike Douglas show as, as an afternoon uh, talk show. There's nothing wrong with the Mike Douglas show. <laughs> Mike Douglas. Well, yeah, every once in a while, 
the guy was Stan Lee would show up every once in a while on Mike Douglas. Who did? You know, it killed me. Ali? You know, Stan Lee would oh, show Stanley, up every yes. once in a while. Oh, God, yes. And, yeah. and bring I mean, costumes. Would, you know, I remember there was a Mike Douglas. Costumes. There's a Mike yeah. Douglas episode. Stanley's dressed as Captain America without a mask. They gave, like, yeah. they gave uh, Joan Rivers some sort of Wonder Woman outfit that I have a feeling she probably had the two-piece on underneath it, but she had herself, like, clothed in a cape and everything, a, like, typical red with stars cape. And then uh, George Carlin right, right. was in the Spider-Man outfit, and he pointed to himself and said, interesting, the spider? And then he pointed to his crotch and said, and the fly. And everybody <laughs> everybody oh, laughed. So, no, I lo- nice. you're right, Stanley. Well, I was going to say what I love about Mike Douglas was he would have Sly from Sly and the Family Stone on completely whacked out on drugs. Oh, yeah. And there are clips, oh, yeah. and you'll know. And there's an amazing one where it was Sly Stone and Muhammad Ali – and Muhammad Ali is so angry that Sly Stone is so whacked out of his mind on camera. And the whole time, Sly Stone yeah. is trying to be friendly in that great way when, you're, when you see your friend and he's drunk and he wants to hug you and kiss you and everything. And Ali is just seething and so angry. Right. And you can see right. it all in his eyes. Yeah. And Mike Douglas is just like, well, I guess that's the show. <laughs> he's just rolling along. Yeah. And yeah. it's awesome to watch. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I love yeah. Mike Douglas. Yeah. You know. Too funny, man. Well, go go pick up your okay. kids, man. I want. Thanks for. I gotta up. get my gotta. Pick, yeah, if I don't pick up my daughter, she's like she's standing under the light right now, kicking rocks. Yeah, that's not. Where good. is the city? No, no, that's yeah. not good. But yeah. uh, all right, good luck. Good luck this uh, year at Comic Con, and uh, we'll have you. You know, awesome. really want to talk to Chip and, yeah, uh, and Alex know, about anybody, Marvelosity. Anybody ever got any questions or needs anything from me or or whatever, Alex or Bill Wise, just. I'm on, you know, Sal Ebenanti. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Or just, you know, just Alex Ross Art or Bill Sienkiewicz Art. That all comes directly to me. It doesn't go to, like, you know, I don't have, like, this, you know, corporation of, of uh, filters. So if anybody needs anything or has any questions, just just hit me up. That sounds great, man. A pleasure as always, well, and I look forward to our next right, conversation off and on the air. But be well and uh, be safe this year at San Diego. All right. Take good care of yourself. There you go. No kidding. If you uh, listen to my show and Comic Geek Speak and maybe some of the other podcasts that maybe Sal does, you know how funny of a guy the guy is, and I I love him. He's one of my favorite people in comics. He's been a great friend and continues to be uh, both on a personal level and a business level. So it's uh, great to always catch up with Sal Abinati on another episode of Word Balloon. I hope you enjoyed it today. It was all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your continued support via Patreon. If you enjoy what you hear on Word Balloon and want to help the cause out, uh, keep the website going. It, it'll always go. You know, it's free. It'll always be free. But if you want to help out what I do here, uh, you could be a patron through Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash wordballoon or the front page of wordballoon.com. Click on the Patreon ad and it will take you to my Patreon page. Thank you very much, all of you subscribers and League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at instocktrades.com. You know, well, we talked so much about Alex Ross. Let's talk about some more product that is available from you. Uh, from InStockTrades.com. Great stuff that Alex has done over the years. Great books at great prices. You can get the dynamite art of Alex Ross. Uh, These are a lot of his covers and interiors that he did for Dynamite, Project Superpowers, among some of the uh, great creations that uh, Alex did for Dynamite over the years. 
30% off for this book, $27.99. You can get the Justice trade paperback. Jim Kruger, Alex Ross, Doug Braithwaite doing the finishes, uh, but this was a wonderful 12-issue maxi-series, The Legion of Doom and Brainiac, band together against the Justice League. 42% off, $17.39. There's the new edition of Kingdom Come with Mark Wade and Alex Ross, the classic story, you know, right after Marvel's, uh, this was the next great epic run for Alex. And uh, what a great story. It was all in prestige format, but you can get all collected in one hardcover. Uh, Lots of bonus uh, illustrations as well. 42% off, $11.59. There's also Kirby Genesis, which was another project through Dynamite, where they took a lot of Jack's later creations and uh, put stories behind them. Uh, characters like, uh, you know, the Pioneer, Ten Space Probe, uh, also Silver Star, and some of the other great uh, characters. Kurt Busick, Alex Ross, Jack Herbear, and Alex Ross doing the art chores. It's 30% off, $20.99. There's the Marvel's Platinum Edition Slipcase Hardcover. This is an incredible book. It's big, it's expensive, but it's worth it because this is a slipcase edition. It's uh, really so much bonus process stuff in there. The great story by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. It's 42% off, $116. Then there's also other great things like um, Project Superpowers Volume 1, featuring Jim Kruger, uh, Alex Ross, my buddy Doug Klauba, Steve Sadowski, Carlos Pong among the artists. But this was Alex's re-imaging of a lot of the 1940s characters that slipped into public domain. And uh, you can get Alex's spin on them. Starting with Volume 1, it's 30% off, $20.99. Some of the great Alex Ross product that is waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. You will find great books at great prices. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from our friends at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. I hope you enjoyed Word Balloon Unconventional this week. Uh, Back to, uh, well, you know, there's really no difference, let's be honest, (laughs) between what I did this week and what I do at Word Balloon normally and stuff. Uh, We just gave you the framework of Word Balloon Unconventional. But now the con is over. Have a safe trip back if you were in San Diego. I hope uh, Word Balloon uh, helped you get to the con and helped you uh, on the way back with more entertainment. So when you don't want that uh, convention buzz feeling to go away, that's why Word Balloon is here, to help you get through with uh, some great conversation. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.